Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Sked and I'm delighted to be joined by former Hearts Midlovian, Hamilton and Kelty Hearts midfielder Sean McCarty. Hello. Pleasure to be on. Looking forward to it. Yes, same. We are sitting in, in, in your, Sean's gym in Edinburgh, Elevate 98, a gym you founded in 2020? Yeah, it was uh, almost exactly a year ago from yeah. now. So got the keys on 1st of October 2020 and we opened the middle of November that same year um, so it's been an interesting year with Covid and whatnot. but uh, I'm sure we'll get on to that So yeah, uh, yeah I've, 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 been a, uh, I've been a member I've got to know you over the past think, uh, 5 six months 5-6 months yeah. maybe more and uh, I think your story is a fascinating one uh, you founded the gym in 2020 you're only you're age 22 22 at the time 22. Yeah. so before we jump Back to the very start. Can you tell us a bit about the, about your gym? So basically, over the years, I kind of PT and I had the same thing happen over and over again when I was a self-employed PT, which was basically that people loved the sessions they did with me, whether it was once, twice, three times a week. Uh, they said they loved it, and I think they genuinely did. The problem was that when they went away from those sessions, they really struggled to do anything, to do the same sort of level or intensity of training. Um, and obviously my background being in football, I quite liked the whole team thing, did loads and loads of strength and conditioning stuff at Hearts Hamilton. And I just kind of had the idea to, to build a gym in that mould rather than having a small PT studio or having a big commercial gym, of just kind of having something in between the two um, where people kind of actually looked forward to coming rather than making a gym all about weight loss body transformations and stuff obviously that is important for us but having somewhere where people actually get a passion for training get into it because I know how much it's it's helped me and the other staff as well um, so studied 
it's not very common in Scotland, uh, this kind of model, but studied various ones in America particularly, and there's quite a few in London down south, and the odd one in Scotland. So when I was doing PT, always kind of had my ideas of opening my own gym. Um, so just always had it in the back of my head, did a bit of studying, did a bit of looking into it, and obviously it's not the case for a lot of people, so I realise I'm fortunate, but lockdown probably gave me that opportunity of maintaining my client base and growing it throughout the worst of lockdown, having a kind of gym in my back garden and stuff that I'm sure we'll get to, and then getting the facility probably a bit cheaper than I would have before just meant it all kind of aligned together. Did you think you'd have a gym at 22? Uh, No, probably not. (laughs) Even so, it's a funny story, but this gym um, was the first gym I ever worked at. So when I did my PT qualification three, four weeks later, got an interview for this place, and at the time I thought this is like my absolute dream gym. It's five minutes from where I grew up. It's close to the city centre. It's a good size. It's not too big, not too small. And in one of my diaries over the years, I actually wrote down by the time I was 30, I wanted to buy it off the guy. So it was a good few years ahead of schedule that it worked out. So I was pleased with that. So rewind into when you were a kid. Uh, you played for Hutchieville. Um I believe you started in their second side. Uh, yeah, so... I played from them from I was about six, seven, and probably decidedly average until I was 10, 11, 12, always in the second team and stuff. And nothing kind of in particular, just as we'll go on to, probably never been the most gifted technically or anything, but probably quite young at 12, 12, 13, just had this kind of realisation that if I wanted to get anywhere I was probably going to need to work harder than everyone else to kind of make up for that so yeah that's it I think um, like uh, myself probably most of the people listening would have at one point or another uh, as a kid wanted to be a footballer um, you decided eventually you did want to be a footballer but I think you went about it in a much more um, passionate and focused way than I think anyone would imagine from someone who's 11, 12 year old yeah yeah uh, To be honest, I I don't know where it came from. I've been asked that before. My mum and dad have got an amazing work ethic, but I I just kind of had this moment where I was like, my big philosophy right through has always been that at the end of something, I don't want my hard work to be questioned. That Mm. When I got released from Hearts, when I left Hamilton, it's like I I can't look at myself and say I could have done any more. Um, And I was fortunate to have a really, really good coach in Tam Smith at Hutchie who went above and beyond for us we had strength coaches and stuff and it was just every bit of work I got told to do I would just go away and kind of diligently do it and I started seeing the rewards for that quite quick of going from the second team to being one of the main men in the first team to training with numerous different sort of clubs Scotland and England and I think it's the same as anything that every wee bit of success every wee victory then means you think I'm doing something right, I'm going to keep this going, I'm going to keep this going. And just probably very unusually focused from a young age. Yes, yeah, so what were, what were the, some of the, the things you, uh, you did? Probably 99% of other 12, 11, 12-year-olds were doing. Some of, the, some of the stuff you were committing to. Um, so at that time, I also went to Broughton High School. So I was in like the pilot performance schools, mm-hmm. I think they call them now. And just... Every single night from training, no matter what I'd done, if I'd trained at school during the day, trained with Hutchie that night, I would go home and I would do 100 press-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 pull-ups every night in my room without fail. Uh, Every single day I'd set a timer for 20 minutes and do 20 minutes of stretching, mobility, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
at that point, which has probably been a theme of interest right throughout, we were lucky enough at Broughton to have access to a sports psychologist. Um, so he used to do a workshop with us every Friday, and I was just kind of fascinated by that. I spent time like visualising before games and stuff. I used to be the weirdo that would sit in the bus <laughs> or the car myself, listening to music, getting myself in the zone for the game when kids were doing all sorts of other things. Um, obviously, within a family lifestyle, tried to, to consciously eat a bit healthier, went to quite extreme lengths of discipline in terms of like refused to have takeaways with my family, all that kind of stuff. And again, it just kind of continued through. The more I did that, the more exposure I got to these situations, mm. you know, training with different clubs, going different places where I realised this is what those people do. And probably not gullible, but believed what people told me that when, as a 12-year-old kid, you get told if you do this, you do this, you do this, you'll have a chance... I kind of took that to heart and, and did every bit of it at, uh, as I was told. So yeah, yeah. Obviously, you soak, you soak everything in. What was the what was the response? Like, how did how did your uh, family view what you were doing? But also, teammates. Because I imagine I always remember listening to um, uh, was it I think it was Yapstam talking about Gary Neville and he used to call um, the Neville's a bit of busy the busy the busy show. <laughs> family were a bit of a mix of like at times I think they probably worried about it a little bit in the respect of this is quite obsessive for a 13, 14 year old but I think they got to know quick that although I tell this part of it I also never took myself too seriously mm. with other things so they realised actually it's quite healthy and they probably encouraged that a lot the, at that age the busy stuff maybe wasn't quite so much as it was at 15, 16 weirdly I've always had quite a thick skin mm. and I took that as a compliment that if people were calling me that I was like right I'm on the right path here I'm yeah. doing something that that means they kind of say that and I've probably always been quite good at, at taking the mickey out myself as well that I could take that on the chin and almost laugh at myself with it that meant it probably diluted it a bit compared to what other boys I saw over the years got um, but as I say, I always kind of took that as a sign that I was on the right path to, to where I wanted to go. Did you come up uh, against or uh, play with anyone else that, that that took it as like, kind of serious as you went to the lengths that you, like, that you did? Um, th- there was a few in the Hutchie Vale team I was at. Um, Regan Hendry was there. Mm. I had one of my best friends. I wouldn't say he took it as seriously as me in a lot of respects, but when he was on kind of the training pitch, on the football pitch, he did. Uh, played with Ethan Hamilton who went down to Man United and he's sort of in the lower leagues down south he was probably very similar Mm -hmm. Um, and then as I kind of got a little bit older went to Hearts and stuff probably more gravitated towards picking stuff up from the older boys who were maybe away from that crowd so although it was slightly later in my career from that people like Don Cowie, John Souter and stuff who you just saw diligently going through prehab diet and stuff always left left quite a big mark you mentioned uh, Don Kelly there um, he is he just seems a machine because everyone who's played with him seems to talk so highly of him just I'm never kind of probably weirdly obsessive over someone that I've like, absolutely stalked him when he's at heart <laughs> that you, you realise quite quick he comes in and like clearly a good footballer and stuff but you see sort of like the level he's played at his story you speak to him and you can kind of just sense his focus from the first conversation and I just probably going back right to the start and even to now I would say like my biggest strength in life is that I soak information up really really quickly that I can pick stuff up 
and I just made it my mission to kind of see everything he was doing, question it, why is he doing that, why is he doing that, why is he doing that, and just learn from him. And he was sort of always brand new in terms of any questions you had, he would go out his way to help young boys and stuff, and you can see why he's so highly regarded from everyone, I think, that's ever played with him. I don't think you'd find anyone to say a bad word about him. Is he the fittest player you've played with? I would say so, yeah. And that's we. I was obviously with him at the back end of his career, and it was like just seeing him in training, the sports science stuff, it was ridiculous. And going back to, so you, you, you mentioned trials down south, and had, I think you had interest from Rangers. Uh, yeah, so over the course of the years, I was lucky enough, when I was 12, 13, 14, because I was at Hutchie Vale, I obviously never had the same contract status and stuff that boys that were maybe at Hearts Hibs, mm-hmm. whatever, had at that time. So I was lucky enough to go down to Man United, Liverpool, Sunderland, Ipswich, um, Celtic Rangers, speak to Hearts Hibs and stuff. So it meant I got quite a good picture of what was going on at different places, you know, what these clubs did and stuff that was probably an eye-opener and encouraged that sort of discipline and professionalism as well. What was involved in the trial? So going to, say, Liverpool? So generally the way it would work with all the English clubs was you would go down for anywhere between four and ten days. Mm -hmm. You would kind of travel down, stay in a hotel, train during the day, um, and then play games for them and stuff. And it was a really, really steep learning curve because at that time I was maybe, maybe 13, 14, 15, and... Obviously, during the day, the boys my age would be potentially at school or whatever from those clubs. So you were actually training with boys a good little bit older than you who are already of a good standard. Being at clubs like that, that when we went down to Liverpool, they had Ryan Ken, Harry Wilson, Jordan Rossiter, Man United had Rashford, a couple others as well. So you very, very quickly have to learn to sink or swim and just deal with it. Um, and it was just sort of physicality, the way they looked after themselves and stuff, even at that age it was probably a different level to what you saw in Scotland at mm. a lot of the clubs um, and even you could, I think that set us up well that at Hutchie when we went to play pro youth teams, Hearts, Hibs, Celtic Rangers St Mirren, Hamilton, I think the reason these clubs were, were sort of so interested in us and stuff was because we'd had that experience and we could probably handle ourselves in those games a bit better than people who hadn't had that what was your mindset going into uh, going into clubs down south for up here before you eventually signed for Hearts? As as a teenager, what was it like going there? And was there, did you put pressure on yourself, or did you just think this is this is class? Probably a bit of both. I've I've always had it, and I, I don't speak about that much because one thing I try and not be, and I don't think I am. It sounds a bit arrogant sometimes, mm. but from twelve thirteen. I've just always had belief that whatever situation I put myself in, that I would handle it, that like if tomorrow everything was to get pulled away from me, I think I'd be fine. I think I would make something off whatever the situation was. And it was probably one of my favourite books was um, Stephen Gerrard's autobiography. And my dad, who's not a reader at all, read it. And the one thing he picked out was what Stephen Gerrard's dad said to him that's like, I think the quote's something like, know your place but stand your ground and I always had that kind of attitude towards it that I was going to be humble I wasn't going to be in and be one of these loud mouths in these places I was going to keep myself to myself but show what I could do when I went out on the pitch and kind of believe in myself to go and do that and I think as well you're going into these situations and it doesn't feel like pressure because it's not maybe the same way you would trial with a club here you're kind of going down getting put in hotels doing this doing that 
I think it naturally gives you an inclination that they think quite a lot of you compared to maybe just going in for a training session with a local team or something which puts you at ease a little bit too and how did how did it work with the performance school so when when did you go in and when did it start so straight from high school actually so when I left primary school um, I went to Broughton High School instead of Portobello where I should have went and basically the way it worked was that four days a week I think it was we would just miss certain subjects home economics whatever for football Um, Mm. so we would go and train we would do technical stuff physical stuff whatever and then on a Friday we would do kind of sports psychology gym work and stuff Um, so it was pretty much from 12 through to 14, 15 I think they stopped it which you know it's run a lot more professionally now than when we got it we were very much a test run and there Mm. was elements of it that could have been done better but for us it was just amazing it was however many extra hours a week of training it was all this other stuff that came with it that probably gave us a massive advantage over boys that were training with hearts two three nights a week we were obviously training maybe 10 times a week in total which I think helped massively and as you can see a lot of clubs are kind of going towards that model now for that that very reason and um, probably helped even more so going down south that we were almost used to training full time so a lot of these clubs down south you know even at 13, 14 their boys are at the training ground five, six times a week between Mm. training games and stuff whereas in Scotland that other than maybe Celtic Rangers wasn't the case so for us we were almost kind of used to that that was like ah well I'm training this many times a week so it's normal to go into that environment And did that still balance off when you signed for Hearts that you'd still Yeah so I was still part of the performance I think it would have been like maybe a year year and a half crossover Um, so I'd still sort of train during the day got a little bit more not confrontational at all but Hearts would maybe be you know if we had a midweek game Whereas I was at Hutchie, I would just train during the day as normal. Hearts would maybe ask for me to miss it or whatever. But to be honest, they were actually all right with that side of things. There was never really any tension with that at all. I think for the most part, they saw the benefits to it. So you did say for Hearts, why? (sighs) There's probably loads of reasons. Um, I think supporting them from when I was young did make a massive difference. You know, I, I think all the logical reasons I'm about to say could easily apply to a Hibs or someone else mm. so I think that played a part it was just even from from that young age I knew I wanted to be a footballer I probably owning a gym at my age I've always wanted to do things quick so I've always whatever like the standard time to do something is I've always wanted to be able to do it a little bit quicker and I just thought going to one of these clubs down south going to a Celtic or a Rangers is there any chance of me playing in the first team at 16, 17? And I thought, probably not, if I'm being realistic. Um, so, yeah, probably that and just the efforts that they went to sign me, you know, the amount of phone conversations, what they kind of did for me. Um, after Hearts won the Scottish Cup, I was able to play on the pitch at the trophy parade the next day for, like, the 19s with Jason Holt, Jamie Walker and stuff. And to be part How of that... How old were you at that time? I think I was... 14 so to be part of that as like a 14 year old that plays for Hutchie Vale was quite cool being a Hearts fan having been there the day before it was pretty special and that kind of sold it for me on uh, on going there again 99, me and 99% of uh, folk listening to this um, will never get the chance to sign for a boys club I believe you had yeah, season ticket uh, me and my dad season ticket holders from mm-hmm. I think 6 years old or something right through what, what's it like just being able to sign for the club you support and having wanted to play football since uh, for the last few years 
it, it was amazing, but to be honest, I think it was probably a good thing for my own football, looking back on it, it maybe never made you appreciate it as much. I think I was able to detach myself from the fact that it was my boyhood club and mm. just look at it quite selfishly off. I want to progress here to play for 17s, to play for the 20s, to play for the first team and stuff. It was only maybe on occasional, you know, if it was a Hearts-Hibs game where you scored or something like that, that you would appreciate it a wee bit more. But for the most part, I think until it gets to sort of first team level that as you're going through the ranks it probably doesn't feel like it because same as anything you kind of after week two it becomes the norm and you kind of get used to it and you're just focused on the next thing the next thing rather than probably taking enough time to appreciate what you're actually doing Signing in in, in 2012 how did it work from uh, year to year? Was was it basically just have a yearly contract? That yeah, I think I think it was maybe a year or two at a time. So my first year there, I was like fourteen, fifteen. Um, kind of started off playing my own age group and stuff, um, doing all that kind of stuff. By after Christmas of my first year there, I'd started to kind of play the odd game for under 17s at the time so I was under 15s the next age group was 17s played a few games and stuff um, and then in the sort of April school holidays or something I was fortunate enough to get asked to go in full time um, and Darren Murray who was the under 20s coach at the time took quite a a shine to me um, sort of really liked me and stuff so I was lucky enough to manage to play for the 20s when I was still like 14 so towards the tail end of that season played four or five games at, at 14, 15 for the 20s and then that next summer although I was at school um, I came in full time for the full six weeks pre-season because obviously I was on school holidays mm. so even being 15 kind of training with the 20s first team every day being involved in pre-match prep all that kind of stuff uh, so at the end of that summer between sort of Darren Harps myself and my school we managed to get it so that I could miss a little bit of school on Fridays to go in and, and kind of train full time with some of the boys so did that at that point I was sort of frittering between the under 17s which at that point was my then age group and played probably 20-25 games for the under 20s in that season as well so it was kind of amazing but mixed in terms of like I'd come straight from school on a Tuesday night to play with the 20s who at that time were Sam Nicholson, Jordan McGee, Adam King, Billy King but they would be kind of training full time I would be still training with the under 17s on a Wednesday night and kind of playing with them but enjoyed it and got lots of game time from it In your head, what's it like going into that first team environment at that age? Did you feel pressure on on, on yourself or were you? did you always have the because of your kind of preparation always be like ready physically and mentally to go into that? I think I probably really, really liked at that age that became maybe a problem as we'll get on to when I got a bit older was that there was no real expectation on me and I think I liked exceeding expectations. I think, you know, when I went to train with the first team and stuff at 14, 15, it was kind of like, oh, just do your best, blah, blah, blah. We're not expecting much and and I kind of liked that side of it that I could actually show, do you know what, he's all right here. I probably although I didn't show it at the time, really, really thrived off being that age and doing what I was doing, that everyone was like, you know, you're this age, I can't believe it. And mm. I kind of took that, that, you know, I want to keep doing this, I want to keep doing this. That then flipped, that bizarrely, that again probably became a theme later. I actually struggled more at that time 
playing games with my own age group because I felt more of a pressure then that's like you've trained with the first team yesterday you need to be kind of the main man in an under 17s game I'm probably thinking I needed to do stuff that wasn't me it wasn't my game and stuff because I'm thinking they're going to be looking at me like looking at every bit is he doing this is he doing this is he doing this so bizarrely I probably found it easier at that point playing up with the older ones training with the first team compared to actually playing games in my own age group yeah that, that, that's interesting because it does allow you to almost keep your you, you're not the you're not the big fish in yeah. the, 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 small, yeah. the small pond anymore and it's funny you mention expectation because I actually found an, an article from STV in 2014 with the headline was oh, yeah, can you remember this yeah, well, Sean McCarty the next off Hearts production line yeah I I was. I think that was just after the victory shield of Scotland. It must have been around that time. I do. I do remember that one. I, I didn't have any sort of problem with that expectation. You know, probably yeah. stereotypically, I can look back on it now. I was the the golden boy growing up of Scotland captain at that age group, playing X amount of games, playing with older teams, training with the first team and stuff. And I didn't sort of. It didn't mean anything to me. I quite liked that. It was just in individual games and stuff where I felt you know they're going to be judging me here if I'm not doing this, if I'm not doing this. And I think it's probably a, a culture thing in Scottish football. And there was a lot of people at Hearts that weren't bad for it, but I think it's almost like people want to shoot you down because you've been higher up that if I went back for the 17s or whatever and never had a good game, it, it certainly wasn't anything to do with attitude or whatever. Mm. But I think people almost want to throw that at you because you've done this, this and this. They want to say, oh, you think you've made it, you think you've done this, which for myself anyway definitely wasn't the case did you find when he did go back to play for the, the 17s I don't want to say animosity but, but even jealousy whether people you've either came up against opposition or within your within your own ranks I, I definitely think there was elements of that I think for other teams you were probably a bit of a target yeah. of like yeah we wanted which is natural I'd probably be the same but within your own team there was boys maybe quicker to dig you out and stuff they were quicker to say you're not doing this, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, especially at that time playing 17s was a sort of like dual banded age group, so it's like under 16s and under 17s mm. were one team, and I was one of the younger 17s, so obviously in theory you were bypassing boys that are like older 17s to go and play for the 20s and stuff, and there was definitely a bit of them kind of, you know, didn't like that and wanted to kind of make sure you were on your toes and training and games and stuff, which was no bad thing but I definitely think at certain points it did turn into a little bit of that because you mentioned you did visual, visualisation like um, back in, like when you were like yeah. 11, 11, 12 Is, did that help? Did it, did it become more important to do that? I think so definitely because especially at that age and stuff we were being involved with those teams we were doing more shaping doing more stuff like that and I think it helped that I kind of knew clearly what I wanted to do how I wanted to do it before I went into games so that it didn't matter because the 20s at that time was such a weird time you could be playing against a team of 17 year olds or you could play against a team that had five first teamers mm. playing as overagers so it kind of helped that I was prepared in my head no matter who I came up against and that I felt confident within that just want to touch on Scotland because your Scotland jersey is above, above your head uh, hidden in the, the office from the 2013 Victory Shields um, 1-0 um, defeat of uh, beating England yeah. 
What was it? I've always been fascinated by the Victory Shield because I remember watching it growing up. Yeah. What was it? What was it like playing in those games and being being involved with Scotland? Being involved with Scotland. It's just, it's weird because I think we must have been one of the last age groups where it was like this, but mm. it was just such a big deal. It was unbelievable from like the start of that, like the season before almost when Scotland camps were coming up and stuff. It, it was weird because I was luckily involved with my age group with Scotland right from the start. Played in all the games and you're playing. Italy, France, Germany, Russia, Poland, but all you're thinking about is I want to be in the Victory Shield squad. And mm. it's like you probably, again, don't appreciate the time that we beat, I think we beat Italy at that time, we beat a few other teams, but you're just thinking I want to be in the squad for those three games. But it was absolutely brilliant. It was, we were very fortunate that I played for Scotland around the time Mark Vota came in. Um, so I think we got the most trips of any Scottish age group ever. We were just away all the time, like, Every five six weeks, we would be away somewhere new. So we had quite a an almost club like bond because seventy five percent of the squad stayed the same for a year and a half, and we mm. maybe went on ten trips in that time. So it was a real, real good bond between the squad and stuff. And I definitely think that helped us rather than <clears throat> years gone by. Boys have maybe gone into that having played one game with everyone else, and I think that definitely helped us manage to win it in the end. Yeah, because uh, that's what was, one of the things I wanted to ask was the environment from club to uh, club to country. It was even at that age, you know, not certainly not a downturn on on Hearts or any of the clubs, but it was a lot more professional. Right? Mm. Probably by definition of being in a hotel, travelling to games, whatever. But you kind of felt straight away when you went away. This is a level up, you know, compared to the odd times we did go a tournament with Hearts and stuff. Even travel, everything about it was so kind of professional and I think it kind of whetted our appetite for it because for 10 days at a time you could feel like you were a professional footballer, that we were all kind of chasing that level where you travel for games, you do this, you do that and it was almost like you got a wee taste for you know, this is what it would be like, we would be doing this, we would be training in the morning doing set pieces in the afternoon so it just made you think, I I really want to stay involved and kind of save my space in the squad almost and it got his, got your dad a lot of trips because I remember there <laughs> over here and you saying that your so dad uh, dad followed you absolutely I think, everywhere I think in the space of two years he came to Ireland uh, Preston and Spain with me with Harps and then with Scotland I think he was Italy Poland Russia Mexico Turkey uh, Wales Ireland a few others he was just absolutely all I don't know how he managed it but it was just Every single game he would make, uh, I think from probably about seven till seventeen, eighteen. I don't think he missed a, a single one of my games. I don't think he missed any, no matter where they were in the world. And he seemed to survive Mexico. <laughs> Just about. That was a, a hairy trip. Um, <laughs> we were obviously. I don't think we appreciated it at the time because mm. we were with security guards staying in a nice hotel. But he went to Mexico City with another couple of dads, and um, taxi driver sort of said to them, "Oh, like, do you want me to wait for you?" And he's like. No, we'll just walk home. It was ten minutes. And he's like, "Oh, you don't walk home in Mexico City. That's that's not the done thing where you're staying." And there was like all sorts of gunshots at night and stuff. So I think he was delighted when we got bombed out that tournament early that we could get <laughs> a, an earlier flight home. You, you mentioned Mark Watt. Uh, he has, I think, a mixed uh, mixed reputation in, in in Scottish football. Did you have much dealings with him? What did you think of uh, what he tried to implement? I, I dealt with him directly a lot of the time because he was always involved with our age groups yeah. our trips and stuff I think to be honest a lot of what he was trying to bring in was good but I actually don't think it was as different as some people would have you believe you know it wasn't like he was telling us to 
play like Barcelona, you know, he was more realistic than I think a lot of people thought that even at 16 it was about winning. It was about winning tournaments and stuff and it was about game management, all that kind of stuff. I think he had a way about him that people would take to or not in terms of probably very, very openly assured of himself and stuff. So I can see why that might have turned people off him. But, you know, certainly for, for me, he was always very good. He, he included me in the first couple of Scotland squads when I was still at Hutchie Vale, along with uh, a couple of others, which at that time was like unheard of for boys club players to be involved in, yeah. in Scotland squads. And certainly the work whenever he did come to performance school, whenever he did take the Scotland squads and stuff, I always had kind of good opinions of him. And with that, the the culture, I think, you, I think you're a good person to ask because you again you soak in information. You I think you analyze uh, situations very well. What did you make of a? What would you say a good culture is for youth age group? Is it about performance or is it about building a winning culture? I think it's easy to say, but for the most part, it needs to be a bit about both. Mm. I think one without the other is is pointless, especially because <clears throat> everyone always talks about change coming from the bottom or the top but I think it needs to kind of marry up because whatever you want to think about what it should be for myself for example at 16 playing for Hearts first team there it's about winning and mm-hmm. managing the game so if at 15 I'm getting taught that oh no don't worry it's about development and stuff it's quite a sharp contrast that then you're like I'm not really prepared for this situation and at the end of the day you are trying to prepare people to play in the first team to do this I just think the problem is probably that people swing one way or the other too much it's like you know we'll either try and play like Barcelona in their prime not care if we give away goals which I think is wrong or we'll win at absolutely all costs by picking the biggest players shelling it long and I think as with anything the sweet spot's probably somewhere in between and, and I do to their credit that although it wasn't all smooth sailing although we never probably played the same style of football as a lot of these countries I think at that time with Scotland we probably had a decent mix of playing to our strengths, playing to win but also you know, playing maybe a slightly more attractive brand of football mm. than a lot of other Scottish teams have stereotypically played You came, uh, before we went back to Hearts, you came obviously up against uh, a number of big countries, is there anyone that you look back on and think uh, that you played against or played with that you thought they are going to make it and they're going to make it big or alternatively you have made it big and when you played against we thought no chance <laughs> the one that always sticks out that we probably played against slightly bigger names but um, I played against Christian Pulisic for USA who's oh, now yeah. at, at Chelsea and at that time he played sort of in behind the striker and I was the deepest midfielder and weirdly myself and the team did well against them we drew 1-1 and but I just remember thinking he was really, really, really good. And then we went and watched USA actually got to the final and went and won that tournament. And we went to the final and he was just unbelievable. And I thought, yeah, he's definitely going to kind of go places. Always kept an eye on him and he did. Um, probably a few others like that. We played in that same tournament actually against uh, Martin Odegaard, that's obviously at Arsenal now. Um, and just typically both kind of played in direct competition with me. So it was a good week. The one that uh, I can never believe is we played against England and Tom Davies was sort of centre midfield against us and I just remember thinking, oh, we can sort of target him and stuff and obviously he went on and played in the Prem for Everton and stuff so it just shows you that you don't know what's going on. 
So moving back to Hearts, uh, I was I was looking up on London Hearts, and I had realised I was there for your debut against oh, yeah, Livingston. Uh, that the, must be a classic <laughs> to try and remember. That must be the, yeah. cha- the, the, the challenge. Uh, the Challenge Cup. Um, believe we lost four uh, four one that day. Four one. And I was also there for your league debut. I think it was Rafe Rovers Rafe, yeah, that season. Although you came on as a sub, I think I might have left to the pub. By <laughs> right, okay. we'd, we'd already won. No, it it wasn't too memorable. <laughs> I did no, we'd, uh, already ru- uh, um, wrapped up the league. Yeah, that league was, was one at nice that point. It was uh, made the most. I was like, just go to the pub. What was that uh, period like from making the making the transition f- from having obviously being in and about uh, the twenties and uh, the first team major debut at sixteen, the league debut at seventeen? What was that period like making that transition to the, the first team? To be honest, I dare say, probably actually speaking about like the Romanov time and stuff, from what I've heard, what I can imagine, I think it was probably a lot easier because at that time there was so much familiarity between the two. You know, in the championship season, Robbie had been the twenties coach the year before, and mm. he was the first team manager. At that point, the first team boys were Sam Nicholson, Billy King, Jamie Walker, Jordan McGee, who you'd played with anyway. And so it made that transition at that point because the first team squad was quite small. You you would train with the first team quite regularly anyway, which I think made it a lot simpler. Um, it was probably a, a hard period in that I, when I made my debut in the Challenge Cup, it was obviously amazing, but I, I never really classed that as my debut. You know, if anyone asks, I, I don't think of that, and I just remember kind of after that having that thought in my head that I don't want this to be it regardless of what happens that I don't want to almost play for Hearts by default of playing in this when yeah. so many other young players were and around that time I was in quite a few sort of like match day squads I was the 19th man in games and then I tore my hamstring twice tore it and then tore it again in the rehab period for it. so I was out for like four months at that point and I just remember thinking kind of coming back that the way the league was going getting towards being wrapped up early and stuff I, I had that in the back of my head that maybe there will be chances at the end of the season here and, and I wanted to kind of rehab and put myself first in the queue for it How how did you how did you deal with injury because I imagine players deal with it a different way especially at that time in your career when you just had a taste of first team football and then you're, you're in and about the squad and then that happens it seems like you go one one of two ways, and it, it, it could really affect you, or it can um, you can just get head down and try and get back. I think maybe it got slightly different as I got injured more and more, especially mm. with the same kind of recurring issues. But at that point, my kind of mindset was just to throw myself head first into the rehab and stuff, come back stronger, do all that kind of boring stuff that everyone says. But I, I just used it as a time to like look, and I would always look with quite a a harsh critical eye of thinking you know he's on the bench for the first team when I get back if I do my bit like, I'll be ahead of him and, and just kind of use that as motivation obviously it gets harder the more it happens but my kind of mindset was always that a couple of days t- to feel sorry for yourself and then just try and mm. bounce back into it um, and you obviously have good bad days and stuff there's periods you miss out on of trips away to Scotland you know games that you want to play in but I think it was just trying to stay positive as as best I could, and I think I did an okay job of that compared to some people. You mentioned it there. It's is it a case when at that age, or just being on the the fringes of the team, that you are analysing your teammates and thinking this is uh, this is a position I can I, I can target. Yeah, it's probably like I, I don't know if I'm weird for thinking that, but 
it is almost a weird dynamic and I think that's why 20s reserve leagues probably don't work that well because you're almost wanting to win wanting to play well but you know whoever I'm playing centre midfield with I'm almost thinking if there's a space on the bench for the first team at the weekend I want it I don't want him to have it so so you're not passing him yeah it's like it's a weird dynamic because they are your teammates you're doing this but it is such a cutthroat world if you're looking at that you're looking at how first team players are playing you know you're training with them thinking I almost want to show them up which you need you need to do and I think probably there was people not as good at that as me but I think there was people better than that than me that there was sometimes I was probably slightly too humble in that environment there was times I probably got the right balance of having confidence with being humble but I think that's why some players kind of break through so young as much as it's technically and stuff I think a lot of it is that they just go into that level like they belong training with the first team as if they've been there for years and I think if you do that in the right way it's probably a big plus for a manager So you made the transition from the 20s to, to, to around the first team squad how did you find trying to break in and be a first team regular? So I probably made my debut was on the bench in the squad and stuff for like the last few games of the championship season of yep. Hearts then in pre-season I actually came back and I wasn't really involved with the first team for the first two, three weeks of, of pre-season um, there was a lot of other young boys went to Ireland with them did lots of bits and pieces and I was probably a bit pissed off thinking like mm, I think that should be me you know whereas the tail end of last season there was a lot of young boys out on loan or whatever that maybe jumped me slightly ahead mm. of the queue they came back they were ahead of me and I just thought like, I don't don't really want this to be the case so I managed to break through in that pre-season play a lot of games you know do all that kind of stuff and it, it was a weird period because when I played and trained with them I kind of felt like I did belong but I never really felt like a first team player which I think was probably one of my undoings in the end at Hearts was that I just probably never had that little bit of belief in myself that hang on a minute like you've started every pre-season game you train with the first team every day you're in their meetings you're in their bonus system you're getting picked on the bench to start ahead of like there's three first team players in the stand mm. you're there but I think I just never quite let that probably because I didn't want to come across as arrogant or big time or whatever I think I probably just lacked that tiny tiny bit that might have kept me there for a bit longer what would have uh, what do you think would have made you consider yourself as a first team player I think probably and there was people actually at Hearts in years after me who did less than me I think the symbolic one is probably being in the first team dressing room that you know I, I get why they don't do that to boys young because it can totally send out the wrong message but for me it was weird that I'd start against Everton on the Sunday and then on the Monday I'd be cleaning boots and in the 20s change room and I was always like I, I don't want to go into the first team meeting without someone telling me to because I feel like they'll say what are you doing here but like I've played the day before so of course I'm going to be there and it was just that little bit and I think it's probably not common that this is a problem with a young boy you know you've maybe got the reverse sometimes where they think they're ahead of where they are yeah. but I think it probably would have took somebody to kind of reassure me that you know you belong here all that kind of stuff not in a, a technical game sense because when I played I, I kind of more than believed I deserved to be there but just like around the building and all that kind of stuff That you mentioned the cleaning the boots that it's something that seems to be like some um, pros or ex-pros always think that youngsters now need that level of uh, kind of being humbled almost yeah. 
and almost uh, going back to old days where it's, it's, I think it's a difficult difficult environment Is that, do you find that just a load of nonsense I, I don't know because again it's maybe because of me that I would have had that work ethic anyway mm. I, I don't think you need to clean boots to have it but I do think probably even more so actually leaving football coming somewhere like here of just having that mindset of like anyone can do the, the dirtiest and worst of jobs that still I'll clean the floors here stupid stuff like that I don't think it's a bad thing to have mm. definitely um, especially for maybe the opposite of me of someone who is breaking into the first team quite young who maybe needs to be grounded a little yeah. bit I think there's worse ways of doing it than that When did you think that it wasn't going to be for you uh, the first team at Hearts? Probably didn't fully appreciate it at the time but I think subconsciously I knew um, and then quite quickly it became obvious I think when Jack Ross left um, so he'd oh, been really? my 20s coach at the time and Jack was a really really big fan of me really close to me even when I broke into the first team a lot of my conversations would be with him rather than, than Robbie or mm. whoever else and I just thought mm, I'm not convinced this is this is going to be good news for me when he left and then quite quickly stuff became apparent that I thought yeah maybe this really isn't going to be good for me then had like minor resurgences at various points where I'd be the 19th man or I'd be on the bench or whatever but I just thought this is going downhill this is going downhill and I think the bit I kind of knew was we were playing a 20s youth cup game on the Friday night Um, I can't remember who it was against and I got a phone call on the Friday morning saying come in and train with the first team uh, you'll be on the bench tomorrow so came in trained um, I think the first team were at Party Thistle or something and then they said oh like what do you think and I was like oh well I'd like, I'd like to play in the game tonight blah 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 even if it's 60 minutes or whatever um, so played that night and then the next day there was like two or three young boys on the bench ahead of me and I'd been left in the stand and I just thought I don't think this is great here I think I'm maybe struggling a little bit and that feeling probably just intensified and then lost a bit of form, lost a bit of confidence. And after Christmas, before I kind of found out that I was getting released, it was a weird zone because I'd probably got a lot of my mojo back and I was playing a lot better with the 20s and stuff, but I just saw no route back into the first team. I just thought, although I thought I maybe deserved to be there, I just couldn't see that coming back again uh, before I obviously found out. So you got asked into first team training for Friday with a view to being on the bench. Being on the bench Saturday. on Saturday, yeah. But then, for, yeah, just for whatever reason, kind of changed their minds and no sort of communication about it. And I just thought, I don't know what it was because in itself it's not that big a deal. But mm. just the way it happened, I just thought, I don't think this looks great just now. So how does the conversation go when you get released? So it's getting to that kind of point and everyone was saying to me oh you've got nothing to worry about you've got nothing to worry about like you'll definitely get contract extension at this point I still had like I could play 20s for like another two years or something so they were like oh no you'll be fine Um, so they just kind of started speaking to boys one by one and I remember it was bizarre because it was probably the best game I had all season we'd played Hibs the night before for the 20s and it was Liam Fox and Stevie Crawford at the time were like can you stay behind they just kind of said like sorry we're, we're not going to be renewing your contract I think because they had a lot of time for me and stuff you know they, they did sit down with me for ages explained all the kind of reasoning and stuff but at that point I think even as level headed a person as I was you're not really taking it in you're yeah. kind of just 
accepting that's the case and it's one thing thinking it could happen to actually then happening it's still a bit of a kick in the teeth the immediate aftermath what's kind of what goes through your head what are you thinking so I kind of swung at that point between it was probably the thing that took me the longest to recover from of every setback I've had I've always thought I'm quite good at bouncing back quite quick that was probably a good three four days that it took me to kind of say now nah, I'm going to do this um, the rest of it, so that was like March so there's still a, a fair little mm. bit of the season left and I, I kind of swung mostly between I'm going to like show up well here for myself at that point like the way things had been dealt with certain things I, I kind of had lost a bit of respect for certain people at the club but I thought nah, do you know what for my own good I'm going to train well I'm going to be professional I'm still going to do this but then there was days where you'd be training with the 20s and there would be four or five of you there because so many of them are needed with the first team and I'm kind of thinking in my head that they're nowhere near me and they're training with the first team by definition of of being there. Um, mm. But for the most part, it was probably was quite professional and stuff. And then at that point, we had the Youth Cup final um, and I'd played in every round right up to the semi-final, was injured, played every game after that and... You know, but without being big-headed, I think I was part of that strongest team, and got left out the youth cup final. Um, and that was probably the point for however long was left of the season. Two, three weeks after that, my head kind of totally went. And just in terms of, they'd kind of said to me at that point, you know, we need you for this, we need you for that. And I think the decision not to play me was based on the fact that those boys were going to be the, there next year, and I wasn't mm-hmm. rather than on merit. Um, so I think that. The only thing that probably helped me through it as well at that point, I actually had a couple of trials down south as well. I was at Huddersfield and I was meant to go down to Brentford, which kind of kept me a wee bit sane as well in terms of, like, oh, I've at least got something to, to look forward to. Going back to the fact that you said you boyhood club, did your view of, of the club would like in a, um, dampen or your like a passion for the club dampen just because of the, the manner of you were there for a few years and then, and, and then left? I would say it probably did for a little bit. I really tried hard not to let it, but I think for a year or two after, especially when it was so many of the same people at the club, that I think once that started changing and stuff, naturally time heals it and the fact that it's not the same people there anymore. I think probably my dad's always been a good influence in terms of not taking things too seriously or too personally, that, you know, my mum, my grand, my granddad were like, they're this, they're that, blah, blah, blah. But he was kind of always the, well, like, what's the point in getting hung up on it? Why stress about it? You're not going to change it. So it, it definitely did for a period of time, but then I think that, that naturally went away after a little bit. So Hamilton, why why Hamilton? To be honest, it was a, a weird summer. I had kind of no real offers. Um, it, it's a long story for another day, but I think I was probably let down by my agent at that point. Um, I just kind of expected, you know, I think 17-18 at that time played first team games for Hearts played for Scotland I thought you know I'll have something um, down south never worked out for various reasons uh, went to Ross County and for being 17-18 you know they made a really really good offer in terms of finances the package and stuff and 
my agent was pretty set on me going there and I was pretty set on not going there and I think at that point he almost gave up on me and said alright oh, ok well you've got an offer I've done my bit so it was kind of training with various clubs trained with Livingston Motherwell and stuff and Hamilton came around at the last minute and I just thought track record of bringing people through all this kind of stuff it, it makes sense to do It seems that in a way Hamilton was a very important move for your next step uh, away from football I, I think so I think that kind of all the things I'd probably had at hearts that never quite came into my conscious that were like there in the background kind of came through at Hamilton and probably more specifically when I went on loan to Berwick that right okay I, I kind of realise the steps I need to take here although I actually think the sort of seed was planted with turning Ross County down I think mm. that was the point I made a decision based on everything from about 11 years old had been I want to be a footballer to the decision not to go to Ross County was probably I want to enjoy my life as well in the respect of I don't see myself living up there I, I don't see myself fitting in here and that was probably the first time I made a decision that wasn't purely football related and I think that kind of sowed the seed for, for everything else So how difficult was the loan spell at, at Berwick? It just so so different to everything you've been used to probably realise you take for granted training facilities stuff like that just made you think you know I could have 15 years of this is that what I really really want like, is this what it boils down to the way the game was played not that I was ever kind of like one of these people that the game should be played this way mm. but just the way the boys were and stuff not personally but within football it just kind of made me think you know this maybe isn't all it's, it's cracked up to be I'm probably on the flip side that although at that time it wasn't a main driver um, financially as well I was kind of went to Berwick did did fairly well speaking to boys and I'm like hang on a minute you're earning more money at Berwick than I'm earning at Hamilton and you've got a job as well where you're earning even more money and it kind of then put into perspective you know at the end of Hamilton I had a year left at 20s and it's like I'll probably get a one year deal somewhere if that I'll be in the same position next year and I just being quite a although I'm confident I like having a level of security a level of safety net and just being on one year contract and stuff never really gave you that it's like you've got six months then you're at contract in six months so you're stressing you're worrying about that and it's just hard to get any sort of momentum with that and do you think there's a misunderstanding of the glamour of a professional footballer in Scotland? <laughs> I think 100%. <laughs> Even now when I speak to people in the gym, I think they expect it to be something. It's it's not, you know, It's there's a lot of elements of it that are really, really good, but it's the same as anything. It has its struggles, it has its good days, it has its bad days. I would argue, out most professions I know, not all, it's probably the one where it can swing so much that, like, when, for example, at Hamilton, 20s games were on Monday night, your whole week was dictated by how you played on the Monday night if you had a bad game coaches wouldn't speak to you they'd be funny with you all week training would be a slog if you had a good game it was a great week after it and it just I found it hard to swing so much and I'd just been the type of person I was at that point my hard work wasn't having the output that I wanted it to you know I wasn't getting the success from it I'd had before and at that point when it came to, to leaving football and stuff I kind of thought I want something where my hard work's a bit more directly related to the results I get. If I work harder than people, I'll probably get ahead of them, whereas that wasn't quite the case in football at that time. Yeah, because you, you said that you um, went from 
when you were 11, 12, how the commitment, the uh, dedication uh, really helped you to the point there it was almost a hindrance? I, I think so. I, I genuinely, to this day, think not that I ever would have been a high-level footballer or anything. I, I think I probably reached the absolute maximum of my ability through attitude and everything else. But I think part of my problem was I took it too seriously. You know, I got too wound up by things. I'd go home and think about games for days. I would think, what's he thinking of me? What's he thinking of me? And it just got quite tiring mentally, emotionally, physically. It was like, you probably can't keep going on like this and can't keep worrying about stuff this much and being good for you. Whereas I look at other boys who were nowhere near as committed, nowhere near as professional, whatever. But I think actually the fact they were so carefree probably helped them in mm. a lot of ways and when was the decision you made to go down the personal training route and, and, and why a personal trainer so when I left Hamilton kind of my agent was saying you know oh, you could go into Dundee this that trials stuff like that and I kind of said actually like what's out there part time um, and at that time I was like you know I can't train twice a week I'm the sort of person that needs to be doing something all the time so I thought what could I do? Looked at joining the police, applied for apprenticeships and stuff. And it was actually my mum that mostly kind of pushed me down the route of saying, no, you like you quite like this style of stuff. Obviously, I'd been really into the gym at heart. She's like, why don't you do the course? Um, and my mum and dad helped pay for the course at the time. So I thought, oh, do you know what? It's, it's kind of worth doing. And then when I did the course, just sort of threw myself into it head first and, and went from there. And it, it, obviously the background in, in, in football, the fact that you were, your performance performance school, the fact you enjoyed that side of things, I take it that was, that, that gave you a good platform, a good base. I to think it. so, I think, you know, like doing the PT course with stuff, with other people who they were learning stuff for the first time and I'm kind of like, oh, I learned this at 13, I, I think it definitely helped give me, you know, I, I went straight into feeling relatively confident in the industry, which I think is unusual for a lot of people to, to go to a new workplace and find that. And because I did the course as like a six-week intensive one, it, it meant it was kind of my sole focus at that period, which I think helped massively. And then once I'd done the course, the fact that I got work so quick, I just kind of fueled that of like, it wasn't like I was done the course and then as some people do wait six, eight weeks for a job or whatever, I was kind of straight out of, into being rammed and then that just kind of continued through. What do your, because uh, you've still got a lot of friends who play professionally, yeah. playing uh, football, what do, what, what do they make of your decision to, uh, especially now that you kind of stepped away, you were at Kelly Hearts and uh, you're not playing um, professionally anymore and you've, you've charged yourself in, in, in at the gym, what do, they, what do they make of your decision? Honestly, it's, it's one of these things It's hard to gauge from people If I'm being honest I think there's probably a few of the boys I've played with That are not jealous of it But mm. think I made the right call And kind of think They wish they'd done the same You know, there's others that have probably stuck it That have then got good moves Or better moves And then that have, they've kind of survived through it But I think a lot kind of wish You know, they maybe hung on in there Until they were 21, 22 Whereas I saw the writing on the wall That I thought you know, I don't want to get to 21, 22 and then have to start over again as I did at 18, 19. And I think a few probably think it was a good decision looking back on it. And so you're 23 now. Yeah. Uh, you've uh, played for Scotland, beating England. You've uh, played for your boyhood club, played football. But is, is this the happiest you've been professionally? I, I think so. I think now is probably by far the most comfy in my own skin I've ever been of having a right balance of like hard work and stuff. But also don't feel like I need to constantly prove myself to people all the time 
And I think I would definitely say that the first year out of football and this just now are probably as happy as I've ever been, including all those times that you'd think would be the happiest you've ever been of being in the bench and Edinburgh Derby is travelling to Rangers and stuff and all that kind of thing. Because you must say, uh, kind of uh, finish up, but on, on the gym, you must be really happy with um, the the place you've taken this because when you took over, you've uh, so the last year it was it was almost a building site and now it's it's, it's like a fully functioning gym with, uh, I, I can admit, it's like one of the best places, well, probably sorry, the best place I've, I've trained. <laughs> Just... Amazing. When I was kind of speaking about it last year, I think it helped that I almost had to sell the idea to my family because none of them have ever been big gym people and stuff. Mm. And they're like, that's not a business, like, that's not worth spending all your money on, blah, blah, blah. And I think when I kind of convinced them that it was a good idea, I was like, well, maybe I've got a chance. And just every target we've set so far just kind of like obliterated it out of the water that every target we did have smashed. Then lockdown came and I thought, right, we're shut for five months, we'll need to reevaluate this, reevaluate that everything else smashed and stuff so I've no doubt that'll change at some point and there has been and there will be difficult bits but I think to kind of have full time staff to have so many members bought into it to have somewhere like where genuinely I enjoy working every day and people that are coming in enjoy it I'm probably self aware enough to realise that's not very common that you know when our members come in when I speak to my mum and dad you know it's probably not normal for people to be happy at work and so I think like to be able to come in somewhere pretty much every day where I genuinely enjoy being obviously it has its hard bits but Mm. it it makes a massive difference and I think we've probably almost fostered a bit of like a lot of the bits of a team sport culture within the gym that I think makes it a nice place for us to work and for people to come as well so looking ahead, is you you played in the the Scottish Cup earlier this season? Yeah. Do you foresee a return to football, or is it about building Elevate ninety eight? Because I know you want uh, you want to have a brand more than one branch. Yeah. So I think for the most part, just now it is about building the gym. Um, I think I've kind of always said with football, I've had various offers and stuff, but if I went back to it I would want to kind of commit to it I would want to mm. you know train twice a week play not show up on a Saturday every second week and play the odd game I'd want to kind of to give it everything I had I think there's maybe a world in which I'll do that but for just now my main kind of interest is in the gym probably more so in my own fitness and stuff that you know I've always whether it was in football whether it was here with staff members I've always quite liked the idea of, of leading by example and I think doing that physically you know shows a lot of relevance to members that obviously with yourself when I was able to join in with fitness competitions mm. and stuff with members of doing the marathon next year and stuff where you can kind of show people that come in you know we like we walk the walk we do this as well that it, it looks good and it kind of inspires me as well quite a big question did you through your time did you enjoy football probably not as much as I thought at the time mm. uh, looking back on it I think probably and it's easy as well because you know I think I use football as the analogy whereas now I've I'm slightly older I've read a lot more I'm a lot more self-aware and stuff so I I don't know how much of it is football and how much of it is I've just got a better understanding of myself the people around me but I think there was probably a lot more downtimes that I ever appreciated where downtimes especially towards tail end of my time at Hearts and then probably the tail end of my time at Kelty where I was like this is probably affecting me more than it should be and it's like at that point football was almost like the worst part of my life at times that I'm like I actually enjoy 
when it's the off season I enjoy this which I, I don't think is the way it should be um, but there was definitely good special moments you know that I would never change it and I think those sort of struggles have helped me now in terms of how I deal with people how I deal with my own life and stuff and do you regret not getting takeaways your family when you're uh, no, not, not really <laughs> I, I don't uh, I think like all those wee things helped yeah. kind of build what I've got now even indirectly so no, not not that I make up for it now so it's alright Perfect well thanks very much Sean. all I can say is that um, my, my blur uh, my wee speech on Elliot 98 is I would urge anyone who's listened to this in Edinburgh to, to check out our surrounding areas because it is uh, the best gym I've ever been to I forget that recorded for our, uh, yeah, our yeah. social pages as well but if uh, to, to kind of finish where can people find you and find out a bit more about um, trials about coming in the gym uh, so we are www.elevate98.co.uk we're based in Meadowbank and we're at Elevate9.8 on Instagram Facebook and I'm Sean McCurdy 98 uh, for the year I was born obviously matching up with the gym on all sorts of social media as well Perfect, yeah, definitely check out even for Sean's appearance in Squid Games uh, as he's, as he's <laughs> I'll, da- I'll dabbled in, delete, delete that now. <laughs> I dabbled in, uh, in act, acting, but thank you very much for your time and we're about to do a session. Perfect, looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.